0: You're listening to the Nashville Institute for Faith and Work. If you'd like to learn more or check out our resources, please visit nifw.org. Just keep your hands over the bowl. All right. I'm not going to wash your feet or anything. And what I want you to do is, with both hands, I want you just to grab at the stream of water as I pour it. All right. Okay. You, nope, it, no, you gotta grab it. All right. Okay, grab it. So let me get it started. All right. Can everybody see this? Okay. Okay, that was messier than I thought it was gonna be. Okay. So how much water did you get? I got none. My hands are wet, but they're wet. But you don't have a lot, right? Not holding any. No. Okay. Good All right. Good, good. Okay. Now you can do whatever you want to to capture the me- most amount of water. Okay. So whatever your strategy is, just I'll give you, you know, five or eight minutes to think it through. Okay. And um, grab my cup. <laughs> no, you have to use your hands. All right. How much do you think you have there? Um, it's it's going quickly. Not it was full, but I'm I'm leaking. Yeah, I would say maybe roughly a cup. Somewhere in there. So uh, what we're illustrating here is as he's grabbing for the water, it's just a simple picture of self-sufficiency, striving, trying to hold on, trying to make something happen. And when he stops and just very naturally, organically, that's where he wanted to start. He wanted to start with his hands cupped. But as I gave him permission to cup his hands, he started to hold a great deal of water, much more than just his hands being wet, right? Yeah. And so, the difference between self-sufficiency and relaxing and working out of a place of rest, out of a place of trust, or a place of God dependency is what we're really going to be talking about today in every area of our life. So, when we think about leading, thank you, as we think about leading, we're not just thinking about your business. We're thinking about every aspect of your life, whether it's um, your family, um, your own life, your business endeavors. It's about finding freedom and resting and trusting in God. Now I want to start off with a couple of scriptural um, foundations. And there's so many verses I could use. The scripture just talks about this all throughout the Old Testament and New Testament. But I'm going to use a couple of my favorites. The first one is Matthew 22, uh, the Great Commandment. So the Pharisees were trying to trap Jesus, and asked him what the greatest commandment is. And his response was, um, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. So your whole being directed at loving God, so there's a surrender to him, right? Um, And then the the second is, um, is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says something that I think is so powerful. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So everything is a focal point there. And so the first question that I think about when I think about opening up uh, your hands and, and leading from that position is, what's your orbit? What's your orbit? What does your life revolve around? And it's a good way to kind of diagnose or question yourself. What are you focused on? As you're making your decisions, what drives your values? What um, impacts the picture that you carry? Because it pretty much can be drawn down to one of two things, either your life is orbiting around you, or it's orbiting around God. And like, um, probably like most of you, I was taught to be self-sufficient. I got that message very clearly from home, grew up in a Christian home, but the message was. Get it done, carry the load was probably the biggest message I had. And so um, it's about getting an education, being smart, and there's all these hoops to jump through. And, um, but what I found over time is it's really in conflict with Scripture. Not that that stuff is necessarily bad, but when it's about me and about me getting it done, God's not really present in the picture. And we need to be curious about what is God up to? What is he trying to do? What's the story that he's writing with our life? And if we're focused on holding the pen all the time, then it takes us out of play in that curiosity place. And so thinking about what your orbit is um, can uh, cause you to um, just think through, um, you know, how am I in charge of what's next as opposed to how does God want to intersect my life? Now, the problem with that is it creates a lot of strife for us. And um, there's a verse in Isaiah that I want to share. Isaiah 50, uh, 10 and 11. And it says, Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness, and when he says darkness, it's just nighttime, walks in darkness and has no light, let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Behold, all who kindle—pay attention to this—who all who kindle a fire, who equip yourselves with burning torches, walk by the light of your fire, by the torches that you have kindled. This you will have from my hand; you will lie down in torment. And so, there is a warning here that um, if you choose a path of self-sufficiency, of kindling your own torches, um, lighting your own way, then you are going to wind up in a place of stress. Um, because it's all resting on you. And um, I see that all the time in my office. Uh, every week, people come in and they are stressed out, uh, whether we're talking about their business or we're talking about their lives, because their orbit is themselves. And we're invited to let go. But it's, it kind of is counter our culture. Most of us have been educated in a system that's really more of a a Greek, based in a Greek logic. So we break down systems into parts and pieces and we study things in these systems. And we don't often stop to step back and look at the whole, to look at what's its purpose, what's its meaning, how does it function as a whole? And um, and when you take that along with the self-sufficiency, it tends to fragment us. And so our faith becomes just a piece of our life instead of the very center of our life. And so we have, and that was kind of the way I was raised. I have my faith, I do that on Sunday, maybe on Wednesday night. Um, then I have my, my uh, business, I've got my relationships. And so I'm just kind of fragmented instead of living this holistic life that honors Christ. You with me? Okay, so, um, so if I am experiencing this kind of stress, a question I need to ask is, what's my orbit? Why am I stressed? What, what is creating that? And where is God in that picture? Is he present? Am I trusting him? Now, I can tell you, if you're trusting God and walking with him, you're going to still experience some stress because life is hard and it's painful. And, um, and so it's not that all the stress is going to go away, but this is where we can find a place of peace and we can live out of peace like he offers us in Philippians 4. Um, Another question that I ask myself when I think about leading with hands wide open is what do I own? What do I own? So what's my orbit? What do I own? And um, a verse God used to convict me several years ago was uh, Luke 9, um, starting in 23. And he says, um, If anyone would would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow follow me. For whoever shall save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses or forfeits himself? And so, um, as he talks about taking up his cross daily... The cross here, for years this passage, this one verse kind of confounded me because I didn't know exactly what he meant to pick up the cross daily. But what he's talking about is owning your life, is owning your story, that picking up your cross daily is um, all the different components that make up of who you are. From your gifting, from your cultural experience, from your education, Um, that is what you pick up daily and you're looking to him to follow him with your story. And um, and so he as he pursues on down and in deeper into the verse, whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. Once again, it's this picture of self-sufficiency. Because um, if I'm striving to make my life happen, it actually slips through my hands. Because I'm not trusting him. So there's a an invitation to die, to die to self, and to trust our life into his hand uh, to what it is that he wants for us. And in that death, um, that's where freedom comes. If we're letting go of um, my self-sufficiency to make it happen, um, that I'm accepting a different path of dependency on Him, I'm opening space for Him to enter in and guide my path. And often, that kind of faith doesn't um, look like this intellectual um, orientation that we've been given. Because there's a faith component that is mysterious and can be frightening. And so I'll give you an example. I had a friend, a dear friend, years ago that um, took an educational pilgrimage over in um, Italy. And while she was over there, one morning she took some time and was praying and having this uh, deep kind of quiet time with God, and she felt like God told her to sell her investment accounts and pay off all her debt. And so, when she got back in town, she called me and told me the story, and she was kind of nervous. In her background, she, uh, in a previous life, had been a CPA, a financial planner, but um, had gone back to school to become a, a counselor, a coach. Uh, we used to practice together. So, she called me and said, Kim. And so she told me the story, and I think God wants me to sell my investment accounts and pay off my debt. And, she, and she, <laughs> she, her voice was quivering, and she said, what do you think? And um, I really didn't want to think about it because it sounded nuts to me. But um, what I told her is, it sounds like God. It sounds like God. It sounds like something. Because God often will ask us to do things that don't make sense to us. They don't make sense on paper. And so um, she did that. She called her uh, advisor, sold her accounts, paid off all her debt. The next week is when everything crashed in '08. And, um, and she looked like a genius because she pulled, she pulled out. And I'm not suggesting that God uh, wants to uh, manage your portfolio for you. That's not the point. The point is, sometimes He asks you to do things that are out of the box, that don't make sense. And if you are stuck in everything kind of lining up and making sense, and you're in the middle of the orbit, then you're going to miss out. And in this case, my friend was curious about what God was up to and what he was saying to her. And he allowed her to be the middle of her orbit, which became this really cool story. Because the rest of the story is, after she paid off her debt and everything crashed, she went through a really hard time where um, everything was nip and tuck financially. But she was light. She had no debt. And so um, God showed up and expanded her faith uh, multiple times over in that two to three year period of time as she was rebuilding. And, um, and she came out strong, um, was able to buy a house and all these really cool things came out of this season that on paper looked like a desert, but it wasn't a desert at all because God was pouring into her and teaching her and preparing her for what was to lie ahead. And and we miss out on these kinds of stories if we don't choose to allow God to be in the center of our orbit. And what she did was, she let go. She, she recognized that her portfolio, she didn't own that. It was in her name, but she didn't own it. It really belonged to God. And so what she owned, she recognized she really didn't own. And there's peace in that. When you get to a place, for me, I went on a journey in my practice, of several years ago, just I would constantly look at um, how many sessions did I have booked? Because I'm checking revenue. And I was obsessive about it. And I would look and um, as things changed, I would count it again. I would do projections and all this stuff and really was wearing myself out. Uh, And I was working with a spiritual director at the time and one of the things he encouraged me to do is to stop doing that. So I, I took a path of just um, it was almost addictive in a way I just stopped doing it And I began to uh, Just recognize and Proclaim in my own heart That my practice belonged to God It wasn't mine He entrusted it to me And, um, and I started Over time I began to Enter into peace Where I just didn't worry about it anymore And um, And the practice flourished And I I had no um, energy of kind of getting caught up in making it happen. And I was much more in a position that Doug was in to receive. So instead of this striving all the time, entering into a place of rest, there was freedom. Uh, another example of this, I had a good friend who was in the commercial insurance business years ago. and. Um, And I saw him at a, we were in a men's group together. Saw him at group, and he was wigging out because he'd lost his number two client. And in that space, you know, acquiring a client is a very long sales cycle, but you can lose them pretty quickly. And so uh, he had lost his client pretty much overnight because there was some leadership change in the company. And so he was telling me about it because he just asked me to pray. And I said, hey, let's just pray that God would replace these clients quickly. And he kind of laughed and he said, that's what I want, but I, he just couldn't see it happening. And so we prayed. Several of us kind of gathered around him and prayed for him. And, um, and within, within probably two or three weeks—it wasn't a very long period of time, maybe a month—he had uh, two or three companies call him, and there were um, uh, people he'd had relationships with before that had moved to another company that called him and said, I love what you do, what you did where we were before. I want you to take over our account. And they just gave him accounts. And so these accounts look like they just fell in his lap, which isn't what happened at all. God was intimately involved in his business, engaging what was coming. And that doesn't, to me, give us permission to not engage or work hard. I'm not saying that we should just sit around and pray for God to bring business, but there's a partnership that he's inviting us to. He wants to be intimately involved in every aspect of our life because he wants us to li- to live with our hands wide open. He wants us to live in a place of peace so we're in a position of receptivity because he wants to bless us and he wants us to in turn be a blessing to others by living out of this place. Still with me? Okay. How's the food? Good. Good. It looks good. You're making me hungry. Missy said I couldn't eat until I was finished, so um, I may be wrapping this up pretty quick. Uh, So, what's your orbit? Um, What do you own? What's your orbit? What do you own? So, we have this tension between self-sufficiency and God-dependency. We have this tension between ownership and stewardship. Because if if I'm entrusted with my practice, if I'm entrusted with the gifts that he's given me, if I'm entrusted with the cultural context that I've been given, uh, then I have an opportunity to be free and be a steward of it. Uh, Several years ago, my oldest son and I made a missions trip to Sumatra. Uh, This was right after the tsunami, about three months after the tsunami hit. And um, I've always wanted to do something like this, but never felt like I could because of my practice. And, um, you know, being self-employed, is just this scary thing, right? And so, uh, but he kind of led me down this road to jump in. And so, and I had wanted to take my, I have three boys. I wanted to take each of them on a trip like this. So um, we flew to Sumatra. For me, it's the first time I've been out of the country and I'm flying around the world. And we land there and um, it was just devastation. And it was amazing just to see... How God was moving, and our goal. This particular community, we were the first group to be there in person, so they had really no significant help. And it was uh, like backwoods camping. We were digging our own latrines, and and I liked to camp. I liked to backpack, so that was really fun for me. Um, and uh, and so we were engaged in uh, just simply loving these people. That was our mission: was to love them. And as we were loving on them, opportunities became available. Our actual task was to build a temporary school because the school had been leveled. They'd lost 90% of their teachers. And um, and so we were physically building this school, but some of the um, village elders wanted to get together with us. And so the team leader knew that I had done some coaching, was involved in business development stuff, and he invited me to be on that team. And so, uh, which I was excited to do. And so, I went with this missionary that uh, was an older fellow that had been in Sumatra 20 years previously, and he still knew the language. And so, the two of us went. Well, as you can see, I'm prematurely gray. Actually, my age is now caught up with my gray hair. And um, it was a mistake I made in my 30s when I prayed that God would give me gray hair. So, I looked a little older, and um, he blessed me richly. Uh, And so this missionary also had gray hair. I had no clue that in that culture, gray hair was revered. And so they saw us as chiefs of our village back home. And so we met with the chiefs, and they gave us this position of honor. And they presented papers to us, and we talked with them about different business development ideas which were pursued and were successful, it was really a neat project. But God knew that that was true in their culture. And so it's one of those times that the gray hair really paid off. And, but that's just God going, we went just curious about what did God wanna do? We were, I was planning on working on a construction crew, which I did maybe half my time. And, uh, but wound up in this other role, had no idea. But it's having that space for God to tell a story to write a story, and he wants to write a story with each of your lives, no matter what's going on in your career, in your business, in your family, in your own individual life. He's wanting to work to set you free because his ultimate goal is to be glorified. He wants our lives to glorify him. And so if I'm being the best Ken Edwards I can be, then, uh, and my eyes are fixed on him, I'm glorifying him. And that brings him great joy. And so, that's what he's looking for. So the third question is, um, what's available? So often in our uh, self-sufficient mindset, where we're trying to own things, then we're worried about availability, like, where am I going to get my next client? Where's business going to come from? How's this going to grow? And so there's a tension, just like there's a tension between self-sufficiency and God-dependency, a tension between ownership and stewardship, there's a tension uh, between scarcity and abundance. A scarcity mindset is a self-orbiting focus. It's one that's out of fear. And if we're living out of an abundant mindset, it's recognizing that God provides. I don't provide, God provides. And it's a matter of engaging with him of what, what's next, what's next in my career path. I don't know where my next client's gonna come from, never have known. And it's, it's like, um, the way I think about it personally, is having an, a, an agrarian mindset. It's like I can cultivate a field, I can plant seeds, I can't make the sunshine or the rainfall. And so there's just that place, n- n- when I'm sitting in my office down in Franklin, that I still feel like a farmer. And that's really true for every one of us. We don't know where our next opportunity will be. And um, whether it's new sales or a new position. And so being in that place of abundance, we're really relying upon Him to write the next chapter of our story. And to be curious about how He wants to harness the gifts that He's entrusted us with. And there's a place of peace and freedom that comes there. And when stress enters in, it's because the orbit has changed. We can come back. And so that scarcity mindset, I've seen it a lot in my particular field, where um, uh, counselors I've worked with before, I see it sometimes among coaches. uh, It's like my client. I don't want you to get my client. And they're, in my opinion, they're God's people. And I don't have, you know, I have... I call them clients, but they don't belong to me. They're just simply entrusted to me for a season. Same thing for you all and the work that you do. And those seasons change, business models change, markets change. And uh, we can't always figure that out. We can't always get ahead of it. We don't know what's around the next corner. Just like I was referencing with Debbie in 08. She didn't know what was going to happen to her practice, but God saw it and knew it and was preparing to care for her the way He did. So, um, in our journey of leading with hands wide open, we are moving from self-sufficiency to God-dependency. We're moving from ownership to stewardship, and we're moving from a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset. So we're moving from uh, fear, stress, pressure, to peace, to joy, to an opportunity to see a story unfold that we couldn't anticipate that actually glorifies God. So those are the thoughts that I wanted to leave with you. So as you're moving through your day today and you go through your day tomorrow, I encourage you to just let yourself kind of dwell on this and ask God um, this question, what do you want me to do with this? What do you want me to do with this? How do you want me to incorporate this into my life, into my practice, Uh, to make an impact for the kingdom because the impact you make in your business is an impact that you make in the kingdom too. They're not separate.